You're listening to Science Factory. I am Madhavan. We publish a new episode here every week discussing interesting concepts and research from the world of biology and medicine. If that's something you're interested in, please subscribe to Science Factory on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Jio Savan, Gaana, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. In this episode, we have latest research findings that address what helped covid virus jump from bats to humans the cause of covid associated secondary infections how our immune system responds to covid and the effect of covid on mental health we also discuss fatty acids that can help us live longer a new fiber material synthesized using bacteria that is supposedly stronger than steel link between a diabetes medicine and parkinson's disease and a deep dive into the zika virus disease that is threatening kerala it's been over a year and a half since the world started suffering under the covid pandemic we still don't know where the pandemic came from till very recently even the possibility that this could be because of an experimental virus leaking out of the lab what is now being called the lab leak hypothesis was dis- dismissed outright as a fringe conspiracy theory even though we are still not sure of the origin of covid virus researchers are gradually piecing together the information to find out how a virus mostly found in bats managed to cause a worldwide pandemic among humans according to a paper published recently in the journal cell researchers have observed that a single mutation that is present in the genome of sars-cov-2 that's the virus which causes covid the single mutation gives the virus the ability to bind more strongly and to grow 20 times faster in the human lung cells compared to unmutated form of the virus this mutation results in the amino acid threonine being replaced with another amino acid alanine in the spike protein of the virus If you remember it was originally speculated that the pandemic started because someone ate infected meat of a bat or a pangolin in the wet market in Wuhan Researchers however did not find this mutation in closely related coronaviruses from either bats or pangolins These findings suggest that this single mutation could have helped the covid virus to jump from animals to humans and in sustained human to human transmission Another aspect of the covid that has engaged the curiosity of scientists around the world is how the virus spreads so rapidly through the respiratory tract of infected patients. A respiratory tract between nose and lungs is lined by a type of cells called the epithelial cells. Surfaces of these cells have hair-like projections called cilia. These cilia are part of our body's defense mechanism to prevent any dirt or dust particles or pathogens like bacteria fungi or viruses from reaching the lungs when any such particle or pathogen enters the respiratory tract it is trapped by mucus lining the respiratory tract which is then moved by cilia away from the lungs into the throat and then ejected through cough and spit researchers have now found that infection with sars-cov-2 results in rapid loss of this layer of cilia from the respiratory tract This leads to an inability to clear the mucus which facilitates the spread of virus within the airways. The accumulation of mucus in the airways may also induce coughing which further aids in transmission of the virus. 
Not just that, this loss of cilia from the respiratory tract also makes it easier for other bacteria and fungi to infect the patient resulting in secondary infections like mucormycosis for example. This work was published in the journal Nature Communications. One aspect of the pandemic that has kept policymakers all over the world busy, including both health policymakers and political administrators, is the emergence of a series of newer variants of the COVID virus and the constant need to be vigilant against a second, third or fourth wave and the efficacy of vaccines that are currently in market against these variants. A new study from Australia looked at how our immune system responds to SARS-CoV-2 virus. Results of this study show that a broad and sustained immune response and high virus neutralization were present in those who suffered a severe COVID infection. It is also observed that the antibodies generated against the virus during first wave of COVID have a lower reactivity and neutralization potency towards the newer variants of the virus. These results suggest that vaccination is more effective in combating COVID than a naturally developed immune response to the virus infection. Results also suggest that the vaccine strategy needs to be continuously redesigned to deal with emerging variants. One of the effects of COVID that the world will have to deal with long after we get over this pandemic is going to be the effect of lockdowns and social isolation on long-term mental health, especially among children. As a parent to an 8-year-old kid, this is something I can personally relate to. According to a new study published in the journal Pediatrics, the number of adolescents who have been hospitalized due to eating disorders has almost doubled during the pandemic. This report is based on data from the first 12 months of the pandemic. It is also noted in the report that the rate of admission steadily increased over time and the highest rate of admissions per month was between 9 and 12 months after the pandemic began. The rates were still climbing when the study was concluded. Eating disorders are mental illnesses associated with persistent eating behavior that negatively impacts the person's physical health, emotion and ability to function normally. People with eating disorders are overly conscious about their body weight, shape and food intake. This leads to long-term damage to heart, digestive system, bones and other diseases. Moving on from our coverage of COVID to other interesting research. According to new research published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, having higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids in the blood could increase the life expectancy of a person by almost 5 years. These observations were from an 11-year-long follow-up study of 2,240 individuals. Researchers note that the fatty acid patterns in red blood cells are predictors of risk for death in the next 11 years. Omega-3 fatty acids can be incorporated in the diet by regular consumption of oily fish. Spider silk is generally considered to be the toughest material in nature, often compared in strength to steel or even better. Now, researchers have used genetically engineered bacteria to synthesize silk protein that can result in fibers that are stronger than even the natural spider silk. This was done by researchers at Washington University in St. Louis in USA and reported in ACS Nano Journal. Metformin is a drug used to treat type 2 diabetes. It decreases the amount of glucose absorbed by the body from food material 
and increases the body's response to insulin. There are studies that show diabetes patients taking metformin could be at a lower risk for cancer and age-related diseases. According to a recent paper published in the journal Science Advances, researchers may have found a mechanism to tie all these things together. In this study, researchers have found a direct link between a protein called Parkin which is mutated in patients with Parkinson's disease and an enzyme called AMPK. This AMPK is activated by a protein that is involved in suppression of cancer and is activated in turn by metformin. Goes on to show yet again what a well-tuned, well-regulated machine our body is. In addition to becoming the epicenter of COVID pandemic in India, Kerala in the past few weeks has reported several cases of Zika virus disease. In this episode's deep dive, we have Zika virus under the microscope. Zika virus belongs to the same family of viruses that cause diseases like dengue, yellow fever and Japanese encephalitis. Like other viruses in the family, Zika 2 is transmitted by a mosquito bite, specifically the daytime Aedes mosquito. The virus gets its name from the Zika forest in Uganda where it was first identified in 1947. Though the Zika virus disease was traditionally observed mostly in tropical countries, it caused a major scare in the wealthy western countries around 2016 after an epidemic broke out in Brazil and threatened to spread to other countries during Rio Olympics. During this time, the CDC of United States issued a travel advisory warning pregnant women against traveling to Brazil. Why specifically pregnant women? Because one of the ways Zika virus is transmitted is from a pregnant woman to her fetus. Other ways of transmission include mosquito bite, sexual activity and blood transfusion. Most people infected with Zika virus show no symptoms or only mild symptoms such as fever, rash, headache, joint pains, conjunctivitis and muscle pain. These symptoms usually begin 2-14 to 14 days after the person is bitten by the mosquito and can last for several days to a week. There is currently no approved vaccine against the Zika virus disease and the disease is treated with rest and medication against the symptoms. Most people recover completely from the Zika disease and have immunity for the rest of their life. Very rarely, the infection could lead to Guillain-Barre syndrome where the person's own immune system damages the nerve cells, causing muscle weakness and sometimes paralysis. But let me reiterate, this is an extremely rare development of the Zika virus infection. But what's more common is that during pregnancy, the virus can pass from mother to the unborn fetus. This increases the risk of miscarriage and birth defects such as microcephaly. It is this microcephaly that is the biggest threat of Zika virus. So then, what is microcephaly? Microcephaly is a condition where a baby's head is much smaller than normally expected. This could happen because the baby's brain has not developed properly during pregnancy or stopped growing after birth. This condition could result in a range of problems depending on its severity. This includes seizures, intellectual disability, problem moving hands and legs, difficulty in swallowing, poor speech, hearing loss, vision problems, abnormal facial features and developmental delays. Currently, there is no known cure or standard treatment for microcephaly. The babies with microcephaly will need care and treatment focused on managing the conditions with regular checkups 
to monitor their growth and development. Finally, some preventive measures against Zika. These mostly include measures that are commonly used to prevent any mosquito-borne disease, such as eliminating or at least minimizing exposure to mosquitoes, cleanliness of surroundings, eliminating mosquito breeding sites such as stagnant water, using repellents against mosquito, etc. If infected, further transmission of the disease through sex or blood transfusion should be prevented. That's all in this episode of Science Factory. Hope you found it useful. If you wish to go through the original papers referenced in this episode, links are available in the description. If you like what you heard, share this with your family and friends. Before you leave, please subscribe to the podcast so that you are alerted whenever a new episode is published. Just search for Science Factory in whichever app you use to listen to podcasts. Till next time, stay safe, stay healthy and be happy. Mm-hmm.